Hello everybody, welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 475, and today we're going to talk about the computer game, that is, Quake. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Darren Gargett, <laughs> Jesse Fuchs, oh sorry, <laughs> and Carl Moon. Hi guys. You, I'm sure you, uh, listener, you've managed to identify who is who from that array of uh, reproduced sound effects. Anyway, Jesse's the American one. Darren's the 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 Englishman, and the Carl is the is the Northern Englishman. <laughs> in case you're wondering, Quartz Quake. Well, you probably know, but it is ID Software's follow-up to Doom and Doom Two. It's first-person shooter. Uh, its main technological innovation at the time, particularly, was the use of a true 3D engine. The levels themselves, as well as the enemies, are polygonal, thanks to Moby Games. And let's have the steam blurb for the game as well to get your juices flowing. It's rage through 32 single player levels and six deathmatch levels of sheer terror and fully immersive sound and lighting. Arm yourself against the cannibalistic ogre, fiendish vor and indestructible shambler using lethal nails, fierce thunderbolts and abominable rocket and grenade launchers. NB, the shambler is not indestructible. Mm, I was going to say that. Feels a bit like it at times, but that's a strange way to market one of the monsters in the game as being one of those that you can't kill when you demonstrably can. Well, when you kill him, he does just lie there. You don't actually, you can't hack him up into little bits. So he's, he's killable, but he's not destructible. You can't jibber Shambler. Even on quad damage. Maybe Uh, maybe you can. Hmm. I don't know. I'll look it up. It's a good. <laughs> and this is a legal question. We should probably. No, you can. You can give them at health of negative sixty. I guess I've just never achieved it. Oh no. wow. Okay. Good to know. There's a that number quick, to it. Man, you research that real quick. Did he you knows like everything. Jesse's the man. He sees the quake matrix. <laughs> I had the page of it. <laughs> yeah, and he has. The, he's got the book. He's got all the books. More to the point. So our histories with quake. This is interesting to me. Let us start with. Darren, so this was when this came out mm-hmm. in 1996. Uh, you'd have been a fairly young chap, 13, and right, 12, 13. Did you have access to a, a beast of a PC that could even run Quake, or did you oh, have man. to come to it later? Yeah, to be honest, I wasn't even aware of its existence until it came out on consoles. Right. Uh, th- this is kind of a bit of a blind spot for PC for me because you know the money needed for a PC wasn't really the kind of money you get at that age, and you know I was. I was into doing things as well as, you know, playing computer games, i.e. going out and, you know, seeing what people are like. You know what you do when you're a teenager? You're like, right, I've discovered these things called, you know, hormones and excitement stuff. Let's go and discover what they're all about. So, yeah, you know, typical 13-year-old stuff, adolescent, stupid, naive, didn't have an idea. I I had no idea what Quake was until I saw that very alluring box art for the Saturn when I was in the um, game shop. And I was like, right. Quake is a what to Doom? Because I love Doom. I played the shareware versions on my, you know, my four eight six or whatever computer that was, and uh, mm. yeah, you know, and I, I kind of, I think I skipped Doom two at the time. I can't quite remember the specifics. Um, but yeah, Quake to me was just like a complete oddity. And by the time I'd actually seen it in action, we were well into like Turok and Goldeneye and stuff like that. So yeah, a bit of a kind of um, yeah, you know, like how Quake's like this most revolutionary shooter of all time for the era and stuff. For me, it was just like. All oh, right, it's another game that does the same as the ones that I've already been playing, and I had no kind of insight into just how groundbreaking it was until 
I played it on the Vita. I managed to, um, I've got it on Steam, but I've never managed to, you know, comfortably play it on Steam, even for this latest playthrough that I did. Mm. And I did like a source port or like a, um, like a fan-made version of it. I can't remember what you call it. Maybe a source port is the right phrase. And yeah, I put it into my Vita and I played it through uh. then about, I'd say five, six years ago. And, and uh, yeah, and then I played it through recently on Steam with no music. And uh, yeah, I managed we'll talk to... About um, that battle my way through it and yeah come out the other side again which is uh twice i've played it through well and... what about quake 64 i mean obviously we're going to talk a little bit about it but surely mm. you as the n64 kid you know I, I had access to pretty much every game that was in the shop at the time and honestly it was so brown and <laughs> it was very <laughs> brown. on the on the surface so uninteresting to me Less like, smeary because you could turn the filtering off, of course, on, <laughs> on Quake. But like, yeah. I Goldeneye was in my life at this time, and you know, people may know or may not know, but that game was like, you know, Darren in a in a, in a cartridge, you know, bursting, mm-hmm. waiting to come out. So like, that game is me. So anything that came There's close bombed. to that was just kind of just garbage in my eyes. And that, <laughs> again, that that just comes with the age of what I said earlier. You know, sure. stupid, naive, yeah. and that. It's like, no, nope, I'm not playing that. And uh, right. yeah, I didn't want to know until I grew up. Yeah, we'll talk more about the versions. There aren't loads to go through, but uh, there was a video from friend of the show, John Linneman, quite recently in honour of the 25th anniversary of Quake, which has just passed, which is why we're doing this show. And he explores the tech of the PC version or versions, because there are multiple PC versions, of course. And also he looks at the uh, the key ports uh, of which there were a couple. Very interesting, as always, from John. Passionate and insightful stuff. That's on the Digital Foundry YouTube channel, of course. Jesse, how about you? You've got the book, but what else do you know about Quake? And uh, Well, here's... Right, I am on this show because uh, other John, uh, Ken Rince John, very generously gave me his slot because I think he felt like his, his experience with Quake was fairly normal and mine is deeply abnormal. And I think he was just amused yeah. to see uh what i what my take is on it because of how i came to this game the the best way to put this is that like two or three weeks ago i googled canon rinse quake because i was like i wonder if we've covered quake i should listen to that now that i'm playing quake uh and like somewhere in the back of my head i was like i feel like i've seen those words together and then i checked the spreadsheet and i was like oh we're huh I've seen that a dozen times looking at the spreadsheet. If you had done a word association to me and said Kudelka, I might have just said Quake back phonetically. But this game has <laughs> such a... You're all men of culture. So if I say a, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy style, somebody else's problem field around it. Mm. You'll know what I... Like, it is just never registered with me in the slightest. It is just so... <laughs> brown and and ultra violent and 3d and and pc and you know big on the multiplayer and just all these things you know i've been a mac person since 1990 you know i played uh doom and descent on playstation i like fps's but i just i think i lack a certain ability to project myself into a 3d space on a tv screen imaginatively that some other people have that like make these games really compelling um and you know just didn't i my best friend uh from high school who i talk about games with a lot loved quake he had a nice pc he was playing it and they were telling me about it i was like yeah you go around and shoot things it sounds fine whatever Mm. um and it just it has been you know i'm 46 it is 2021 until a month ago it was just in that category of just like i'm sure it's great i'm glad people have fun with this 
could not think of a thing less interesting to me, right? And then yet, I just here you and are. And yet, here I am, uh, thanks to one man, Dr. Beef. Uh, Dr. Beef is a, I, I don't know if he's a medical doctor or just a Sounds PhD. like a US brand of snacking uh, sausage or something. <laughs> he might be an impossible burger. I'm not sure. But the thing <laughs> I do know is that he has put on the Oculus Quest a bunch of mods that let you play uh, Half-Life, Return of the Castle Wolfenstein, uh, Quake, Quake 2, Doom, etc., you know, in VR. And uh, and these are all games, even Half-Life, which I had played the first like two hours of and like appreciated, but again, just not my thing. Mm. I loaded that one in first, got, I don't know, played five or ten hours of it and really liked it. And there is something about being able to actually be in those 3D spaces oh. that make their 90s brutalism uh, incredibly entrancing to me. Like so I your love brain the way needed the extra, the extra I, lift. I into lack the... imagination. I just need <laughs> to. Act, if you're gonna have a 3D space, I need to be able to look around. Okay. And I need, and more importantly, I need to be able to point a gun, like with a my hand. Like I have always been mm -hmm. terrible. I talked about this on Overwatch. Like I'm not good at aiming a reticle. I've just never been good at it. I liked Doom because it isn't 3D, so it has a very casual approach to aiming. I could handle that. You know, yeah. I get spacing. I get kind of kiting. You know, I get the tactical stuff. I'm just bad at aiming. But if I got a plastic, you know, a controller on pointing, great. Uh, and then I went over to Quake, and at first it didn't. It didn't get me because the music wasn't in there. And then I realized, oh, I can, I, I found the music. I found a retexturing pack that makes it look a little more like, you know, 1999 instead of 1996. And it just clicked. And that is the main game I've been playing for the last month is, is just going into VR. And I've played through all of Quake. Uh, I've beaten it on normal. I've beaten the first two worlds on hard and I'm going through the other ones. Wow. And like, I have my nitpicks and critiques or whatever, but it is a... It is an interesting thing to just have that like religious convert like and I just started noticing like I watched those videos and like it just all of a, like I had that experience where you just go from not caring about something at all to all of a sudden it's like incredibly interesting to you. Uh, and now I'm more interested in the entire history of like 90s PC. F I don't know this whole stuff. Right. Uh, and and as you can hear, I'm riding high. I'm I'm really that's great. I'm, that's, I'm on that's, I'm, I'm, the zeal of the convert. <laughs> I really like it, and that's kind of the what we try to offer for people who do tune into this podcast when they don't know the game that we're talking about. Hopefully, that's some of that in, infectiousness will will, yeah. will spread. That is interesting because that yeah, it's slightly different even to what I thought. I'd assume based on the way you were talking about Quake in our pre-show discussions on our Slack channel that maybe you still had a bit more history within that. I didn't realize quite how much of a recent convert you are. So that's very interesting. But of course, uh, for the listeners who don't know, you are professionally involved in teaching the history of certain parts yeah. of computer game history. I know the 80s. The 90s yeah. less, confused less, me. Less There's so, a lot of like... Busy buyouts and money stuff i don't get and it, I, I just i i yeah and and it is and again just not being a pc person and quake being this ultimate example of you know you have to have the i was just like yeah i don't this is not my world great have fun but but now it is my world and and <laughs> thank you for welcoming me to it quake world welcome <laughs> to it carl uh, you are a similar age to darren as if i recall uh, yes. I get muddled up because we've got a whole bunch of people, uh, but I think that's right. And uh, But I have a feeling that maybe you did have more of a history with PC Quake going back nearer the time. 
Yeah, and I mean, albeit mine sounds awfully bland compared to, you know, Jesse's need to play 90s video games like Lawnmower Man in virtual reality mm-hmm. to really enjoy the visceral nature of them, of which I'm incredibly envious of. Um, mine was far more, I suppose, standard fare for the 90s. I did have a PC. Um, obviously, I didn't buy it myself. I was 12. I wasn't working that hard. Um, I don't really work that Paper hard now. Round. In Middlesbrough, <laughs> oh, sorry, not Middlesbrough, Red Car. Don't pay quite that well. No, sadly not. Um, it would have been nice if it did. It was long enough to. Um, so I got this PC. I was obviously hugely into my consoles. I had, you know, PlayStation. I think I'd very recently picked up a Sega Saturn, um, the sort of in, in 96. And I'm not entirely sure when I got Quake. I know it was near launch i'm not entirely sure i couldn't find an eu launch date it's obviously it's just classed as like a 96 video game um and at the time on the pc the only games i got were the kind of ones that were thrown in so there was virtual fighter was always included you had like a a sonic game was on there and i think probably the most that i pushed the pc was playing something like alone in the dark so when we had something like uh quake come about you know, it had me rubbing my hands. You know, I, I think I mentioned on the original Doom podcast that we covered that prior to getting my hands on that on a on a demo on PlayStation, I always thought it seemed like seemed like the most dumb concept for a video game ever, and that first person mm-hmm. games are never going to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I was right. Um, yeah, spot and on as always. <laughs> having got through Doom, you know, Quake was the next logical step. It was it would got all the press. It was in all the magazines. I mean, this was a game that dominated every magazine cover. Um, you know, whether whether it was a PC magazine or a multi format magazine, it didn't really matter. Quake was absolutely just in your face every time you went into a news agent. Um, and that was that was obviously really exciting for me. So I remember distinctly going out and buying this game. That's the very strange part about it all. So I went with my dad. We went to Macro. I don't even know if Macro is still a, a thing anymore. Mm, um, for those so. who don't know it, it's like um, Costco, I guess. It's probably the, the, the most similar kind of business model. And we were looking down the, the, the games, just in case you know, I wanted to pick up a PlayStation game or something. I mean, in my head, it was always going to be quick. Um, I was stood side by side with Steve Gibson, Middlesbrough chairman. Um, for that mm. day alone, him and his son, best friends, he could have afforded uh, to buy you a copy. I would. He, I would have thought he could have spared one. Sadly, he didn't. <laughs> um, and there it was, this high gloss sort of uh, cardboard cover, um, brown mm. as you'd expect. <laughs> I think. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's definitely very brown, um, and it was covered in those hard, plasticky, protective, like crisscross stripes around it to stop you getting into it. And I just distinctly remember picking up and being dead excited. But I had to wait to get home because I couldn't get it open without a pair of scissors, without destroying the box. And just installing this game and just being blown away. I mean, going from the world of Alone in the Dark being the best thing you've ever run on a PC to Quake is quite a leap. And yeah, that, that I mean, that was my adventure out to go and buy Quake. It, it was just so, there was so much presence of it in the magazines that it had got to a level of excitement that, you know, yeah. only a select few games, I think, probably ever have for me. Um, and, you know, probably for all of us, we've all experienced that, where there's just those games that have that little bit extra to get you really, really excited for it. And it's it's probably not something I experience so much now. Um, and probably being 12, 13, ironically too young for the game by the by the on-box rating, but the perfect uh, yeah, age but, to be excited well, yeah. by it. Yes. Uh, it's a so, perfect 12, 13-year-old edgelord fodder. Exactly. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to say that logo is pretty cool. I think like it really that is. that has stood the test of time. Absolutely. The Q, which is like a it's like a rusted mm. bit of metal, a big arc, and it's got like a nail or whatever to kind of hammered down the middle to make the Q. Uh, very simple piece of design, but um, I don't. Yeah, they they nailed it, if I may. Yeah. Uh, for myself, well, uh, I unfortunately wasn't still living at home with my folks uh so i didn't have i was in my early 20s early 20s nearer mid 20s let's be honest when quake came out and i was kind of late adopter to the first person stuff because yeah i had an amiga that i was still trying to run things like gloom on into the mid 90s then i got my ps1 fell in love with doom as was documented on those podcasts but of course i was behind generations in terms of what was possible on the machines I had. Looking at how much a Pentium PC would have cost back then, you're looking at, for a game, a Quake-worthy gaming rig, you're looking at around the £1,000 mark, give or take, possibly a bit more if you really wanted to run it well. Adjusted for inflation, that's around £2,000 in current money, which is about uh, three and a half PS5s or whatever. So not an inconsiderable... Uh, outlay and the kind of money that I simply didn't have access to as a uh, as a mid 20 something living in a flat uh, with a job in a burger bar at the time. So I remember the the thing I most remember about the build up to Quake and the hype, as Carl said, it was certainly on the covers of, of most of the multi-format magazines. But the one I remember was the, the late lamented short lived Maximum magazine, which was uh, founded and co-produced and edited and written by Richard Ledbetter, who then went on to found Digital Foundry, of course. And they did what I'm pretty sure was a 32-page preview of of Quake. Uh, it might have been 16, but it, but they did do these 32-page articles. And it was all about the, the tech. And you can see that that was where the whole Digital Foundry kind of thing came from. Ledbetter's just obsession with kind of pushing the medium through tech uh and there were it was just yeah layers and layers of screenshots most of them brown uh but bits of green and, and whatever else and so yeah i was still very happy playing doom and uh, and things like that on my ps1 but obviously i i knew that this i could tell and from reading i could see that this was kind of the next gen but obviously i was aware i was aware of polygon games where where that was going and uh and but yeah, effectively, I kind of ruled it out because I knew I didn't have a PC to run it. I did eventually get to see it running on a PC round at a friend's. I've mentioned him before. Not that much of a gamer at all these days, but my friend Jim did have a, a time where he was quite keen and he had a decent PC. He showed me Quake running on his PC and I remember thinking, blimey, that's smooth. That's realistic looking. That looks so solid. I remember the the kind of the textures from the on the tiles showing the kind of the pseudo green lighting from the underside of the swampy water on the on the the sort of the brownstone of the stairs and thinking wow yeah that's my consoles can't do that but then of course next year they did they they got lobotomy to port quake onto the saturn and it was of course a, a kind of cut down version we'll talk a little bit more about it but i bought it day one i'd already bought their duke nukem 3d conversion which was miraculous and they'd done a similarly amazing job on quake the main problem with it was though that it was extraordinarily difficult because quake having played through it for the podcast now on the bethesda launcher because they gave away quakes one two and three last year at the start of the pandemic i played the the original pc version i 
hammered the heck out of the quick save and quick load buttons playing that game. On the Saturn, you have to pick your way carefully through the level and never die to get to the end. Uh, and so I ended up restarting a lot of levels and eventually it kind of ground me down. And some of them are really tough and I didn't complete it. But uh, but yes, now I have on PC, thanks to quick save and for the very final level, the God mode. <laughs> We'll talk more about that later. The developer was id Software, of course. The game was originally called Timequake. I remember it being mentioned in magazines under that name. That's from the Quake wiki. The original concept was inspired by a character named Quake in id's long D&D campaign, which actually ended with demons destroying the universe due to John Romero's greed. Dungeon mastered, I was thinking direct message, no, dungeon DM'd, that kind of DM, the old style, by John Carmack. Because of the switch to sci-fi, sort of, Romero was angry enough to leave id after Quake, even though Carmack fired him first. He later used another inspiration from the D&D campaign to make Daikatana. The engine that id Software started to make Quake with was called Six Degrees of Freedom but I think it fairly rapidly became known as the Quake engine. And of course, it went on to be an engine that was licensed by multiple other games. Publisher was GT Interactive. About 15 staff worked on the game, including, of course, John Carmack, uh, aided and abetted with Michael Abrash and John Cash on programming. John Romero pro programmed the tools. Some of the level designers are names that, that became quite well known in the industry. We've got American McGee. Sandy Peterson, Peterson, John Romero and Tim Willits, of course, still still there. Is he still there or is uh, I'm feeling he's he just moved Sabre on? Sabre Interactive now. That's right. Yes. OK. And uh, Carmack's brother, Adrian, is on the art along with Kevin Cloud and Paul Steed. And we'll talk about the sound, but it was provided and the music by Trent Reznor, Michael Trent Reznor, to give him his full name of Nine Inch Nails. The game came out or the shareware version came out for MS-DOS and windows on june 22nd in the usa in 1996 blue weasel breath from our forum says my first memory of quake was hearing all the hype for the shareware demo and downloading it on a 56k modem it was the largest file i'd ever downloaded weighing in at over a gigabyte unheard of it said that the download would take two days after a few false starts i must have managed to successfully get it i had some fun with it but never to the same level that I had with Doom, Wolfenstein, or even the sci-fi Wolfenstein clone, Blake Stone, Aliens of Gold. I don't know why I didn't find Quakers memorable, but it says something that I've owned a CD-ROM of the original Quake since the mid-90s that I know I must have played with no recollection of how I acquired it or how much I actually played it. The full version came out a month later in July 22nd, 96, and the Steam version arrived another decade later and a bit in 2007 on Steam. You can still buy it at the time of recording. This deal will have ended, but no doubt will return. It's uh, it's currently £1 or thereabouts, or $1.50 on Steam. Uh, the Linux version was also July 1996. Oh, that's weird. It's showing the date as being before the Windows version. I don't think that's right. As uh, as cool and techy and nerdy as it were, I doubt they released the, window, the Linux version before the full version. Could be wrong. The Mac version arrived a year later, or a year and a bit, August 1997. And the Saturn version arrived also October 1997, which is a, a pretty swift port, really. It runs in Lobotomy's own engine that they developed for Exhumed, a.k.a. Power Slave, a.k.a. 
it called 1999 AD in Japan, something like that. Incredible game anyway. Uh, and Duke Nukem 3D. Levels are slightly modified in many cases to run better on the hardware than they would have done otherwise with reduced draw distance and stuff like that. Uh, enemies warp in waves to reduce load on the processors. And I say processors because the Saturn, of course, had two in tandem. Uh, the weapon models are sprites rather than polygons, which you'd have on the PC and probably the N64 versions as well. And as I mentioned, you restart levels upon death. There is no quick save or in-level save whatsoever. Mm-hmm. On the plus side, the Saturn version of Quake is the only version with coloured lighting something lobotomy software added themselves according to moby games makes the game just that little bit less brown billy from our forum says how on earth did this run on the saturn i remember saving up for quake and paying for it mostly it's mostly small change which had to be handed over to the cashier by my best friend's dad who had been summoned from the car to pay for it as i wasn't yet 15. it was worth it I sat there as an 11-year-old just watching the slow-panning main menu screen and soaking in the ominous music as I read the different level gate descriptions. Somehow Lobotomy Software managed to get Quake running on the Sega Saturn, and even though I wasn't great at the game, it was a lesson in atmosphere up there with Resident Evil that stuck with me a long time. It was a notable step up from the shambolic Saturn port of Doom. Despite level design being tailored to appease the Saturn hardware, there were impressive touches here too, such as new coloured lighting. You have to take your victories where you find them as a Saturn fan, and I was floored by this game back then, and it is still today a miraculous achievement for the console. Well done, Lobotomy. That N64 version arrived some months later in March and May 1998. Uh, It was developed by the same Midway programming team that worked on the highly regarded and now available on platforms that you may have working, Doom 64. And that was at id Software's request because they were happy with, with Doom 64. It ran at a 320 by 240 resolution with a texture filtering toggle so you could turn the, the smear off. Why didn't more N64 games give you that option, I wonder? It had a coloured lighting for static lights. It was completely linear with no hub level, unlike the other versions. Some PC levels were missing altogether. The co-op play was absent, uh, as it was on the Saturn as well, but it supports split-screen deathmatch uh, with frame rate issues and a completely different soundtrack. Trent Reznor's music is gone, replaced by music from Aubrey Hodges, who did the incredible soundtracks for Doom 64 and PlayStation Doom. Hmm. The reviews for the game were fairly stellar at the time on the PC, with the game sitting on a 93% game ranking and a 94% Metacritic. The N64 version didn't fare quite so well, it currently or ended up, I should say, with a 74% game ranking. The Saturn version reviewed really, really well. Uh, high 80s to low 90s in most places, but I, I don't have any data. I just remember. <laughs> User reviews on Steam are still, to this day, overwhelmingly positive from over 4,000 people who have registered their reviews. During its first 12 months, Quake sold 373,000 retail copies earned $18 million in the US, according to PC data, and sales of Quake reached 550,000 units in the US alone by December 1999. Obviously, that data is very old from Wikipedia. Yeah, and of course, no idea on sales for N64 version, Saturn version, all subsequent digital sales and so on. But suffice to say, quite a lot of people have played Quake or got it on a system. So that scenario then, what is Quake? It's not quite like Doom. 
the story goes, an enemy with the codename Quake, which is believed to come from another dimension, is using teleporter gates to invade Earth. Does sound a bit familiar. The player takes the role of a nameless soldier, mm-hmm, arrives at his base only to find out Quake has overrun it and killed everyone. Ah. Somewhere in the base, there must be a teleporter to Quake's realm. The mission is clear. Take the fight to the enemy, overcoming countless hordes of monsters, and exact revenge. Thanks, isn't, Moby Games. That sounds quite that a lot like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it does sound a little bit like some of those other games. And it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because, yes, it has a, a distinct visual language compared to Doom. Obviously, it's the polygons, not the, the 2.5D stuff. And it's brown more than red and grey. And the monsters, some of them, some of the foes look like they're medieval and some of them look more bestial. But it really is kind of a sideways step more than anything, isn't it? I think this is a big reason why it never registered for me is I couldn't quite figure out what the hell this game was supposed to be about just for my casual. And now I understand why, because it's kind of a medieval sci-fi demon thing. I mean, the horror. Yeah, the one consistent through line is is murderous dogs. Like, that's the one thing in pretty much any level. Everything else is, you know. Uh, yeah, If it, and, and I think I ended up enjoying that, and I think now it just seems Quake-themed to me in that way of just like, you know, uh, it's, an, it's an old enough and established enough game that it kind of forms that. But yeah, I think I remember just seeing this and being like, what even is going on in this? Like, this is just generic uh, shoot guys game. Okay, I guess that's good. Mm. But yeah, sorry. I mean, but but now I love it. But for but I still find it kind of a, a mishmash, right? Yeah, yes. I mean, it, it was a muddled mess of of games at that time. You know, you had things like Heretic, Hexen, Quake, yeah. Doom, and many other games of which I've forgotten the names of that were very clearly reskinned in more ways than sort of rather than essentially changing the engine to make a different game and not all of them were particularly good um but you know even outside of a technical thing the thing that drew me to quake um was you know and you mentioned it earlier about not being in the n64 version was just the idea of the hub world um and and sort of that central setting of moving around it just felt it it felt like an, an the next generation in terms of what those kinds of games were actually trying to do in terms of their scenario and setting you out and allowing you to go different ways. And I mean, you know, it, 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 it's even before you hit the level, the game had an element of the game of being able to run around in, in essentially choosing the area that you wanted. Yeah. And at that time, I mean, it sounds stupid now because it's such a little thing, but at that time that just felt hugely different like a a real evolution from how games were primarily you know start game go <laughs> i mean that's the thing that a month ago sold me on it now so like right. and as soon as i started i was like oh this is very like that's delightful right the diegetic difficulty even the you know the nightmare mode being hidden in, in kind of a jumping puzzle or whatever and the the little ball lava that comes out on the hard side to be like don't go here and like like yeah. i i was just instantly like oh there's more this is a more fun game you know that that it, maybe it is sort of thematically humorless or in a way but like there's a playfulness here that had never occurred to me when i looked at it over right. the last 25 yeah. years in terms of actual setting of the world like the little hub world does do a good job of you know placing you in there before you've actually shot a gun for example and yeah you know, it's, it's, it's nice to whiz around and go oh yeah you, know, you can hear the noises and enjoy the kind of ambiance that the game has yeah um but i think in terms of actual like levels 
I don't really feel like I'm anywhere. That it's mm-hmm. just it's just a place to be to shoot the bad guys. Like I don't think of the first level of Quake being as important as like you know E1M1 and Doom. Like for, for that for me was just like yeah no I know exactly like this is like an iconic level. Whereas the first level in Quake's just it just seemed like yeah a game that was happening in 3D as opposed to two and a half D or whatever you want to call it. You know faux 3D. So like the the levels in Quake for me personally I find in terms of setting, they get more interesting as they go on thematically. I, I feel like the first two chapters are a bit like, okay, you can sort of tell that they're finding their feet with kind of how to use the engine and how to build levels around it. And then you get to like the third chapter and it gets a bit wacky. And then you get to like chapter four and it gets absolutely kind of probably too wacky and bonkers and hard. But in terms of actual <clears throat> world building, I feel like the levels from, from you know, A to Z or A to Z, they're kind of just levels that happen in front of me from a thematic scenario point of view. Like, I don't know where I am in Quake. I don't know what kind of world <laughs> I'm on. I don't know what... I know, like, the, the text... But I'm not I'm not playing Quake to read. I just want to go through the teleport, <laughs> come out the other side and shoot stuff. Like, it's the same in Doom when the, when the chapters kick off. It's like, Doom, man, did this and that. You're like, I'm not reading this. Just press the button and make me go. But the thing in Doom is that it... The, I find that the sky boxes are more open in Doom, so you can see where you are more, and like it gives a, a representation yeah. of where you should be, and it's it's on an alien planet, and you you feel like the odd one out. Whereas in Quake, it's just like there is a sky box that I really like the look of. It's like a really fast moving kind of purple cloud. <laughs> it just reminds me of the old days. But ultimately, where am I? I don't know. And so in terms, well, you're of jumping stuff, from kind of theme to theme. It's more like the Crystal Maze or something because you're going from Gothic Cathedral to sci-fi base to brown place. Yeah. another another stony brown place. But I think uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I, I think I'm still coming at this from an angle of just like I played Mario 64, so the hub world was a bit like, well, okay, I've already played Mario 64, and this kind of hub world feels very constrained. And I get it that Quake kind of come first. But from my personal take, it's just a bit like, oh man, like for FPS games, for me, looking back on Quake, they've already jumped up a next level for, for my personal taste. And unfortunately, I still don't know where, like I said, I don't know where I am in Quake as much as I do enjoy hopping I think that that's, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I think where I stand, and you, you drew a really good comparison there, Darren, is that the World 1 in Doom is so iconic that I'm pretty sure I can draw that from mind, from memory even now. Um, and where I couldn't do that for any of the levels in Quake. However, there are elements, there are a micro moments per level and per area in Quake that I remember more than I remember any sort of micro moments in mm. Doom. Yeah, so right. I'm thinking like the first time that you go to enter some steps and there's an actual trap and you're getting trapped in behind you and there's mm. the sort of the arrows coming out the walls and like that, that, that hadn't happened to me in a game before where I was actively getting tricked by the level into being in certain areas or, you know, the way that you'd open gates felt far more um, of, a, of a real challenge puzzle than it did in something like something like doom because they'd added an extra level of essentially verticality there because you had the ability to fully look around um and interact in these worlds and so i remember those micro moments really strongly having an impact on me in quake that they didn't in doom for doom it was everything but everything was like really bold and and, and memorable but in quake it's it's sort of those little moments that were taking things onto the next step for me it does feel to me at times like uh, it's almost like an extension of a fully a real time, fully 3D version of 
one of the old uh, RPGs like Dungeon Master, something yeah. like that. It's got those kind of tricks and traps and some of the levels. And I know we keep saying brown, but it really is a very brown game. Like there's, it is the, the lead, the lead color is brown. If you look at all the screenshots they have lined up on Moby Games or Steam or anywhere, the color, the color that you identify is the brown. There's the flashes disc was of red, brown. of course. The, the disc was brown. The, right. the box okay. was brown. Thematically brown. consistent. Good. Uh, and one of one of the sort of art styles is this, yeah, kind of almost, yeah, just like dungeon crawling stuff. And some of the enemies are these knights in armor and things like this. And and at those points, other than the fact that you might have a shotgun or uh, a grenade launcher, it feels as much as anything like you're playing one of those Hexen or Heretic kind of fantasy shooters but with more a bit more interactivity not as much as something like duke nukem which was obviously around at the same time where they really went to town with the interactivity of of the levels and the amount of stuff you could touch and poke and uh and and an effect but in terms of the yeah the the kind of the quake levels for me this is more onto the level design we're, we're supposed to be talking about the art but uh it really does feel like uh the sort of the Rick Dangerous of first-person shooters at times, because and that, I realise that's a niche <laughs> reference to a to a Euro, Euro platformer from the late eighties. But that kind of gameplay that is essentially like, yeah, this is this will kill you the first time, and you just have to learn what's coming by death, which is one of the things that made the Saturn version so very difficult uh, or frustrating, because restarting the entire level every time you got there are bits like where it will spawn a shambler one in front and one behind very deliberately when you just stand on the middle of a bridge or something. And if you don't know that's coming, you've got to be so lucky or good. You can die really fast in this game, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's funny because, right, the, 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 one of my nitpicks is that sometimes this game does just spawn stuff and you get a sound effect, but like in, in ways that do feel gratuitous to some extent. But mm. I would say that, again, as someone who is coming to this basically as a game from 2021, right? Yeah. Just as like, didn't care before now i'm playing as a vr game uh the level design is the part that really stuck uh, and sort of in uh, coexistence with the enemy design but that's the thing that i was really enjoying um is that mm -hmm. i think the levels I, I might be a difference of playing in vr i don't know but like i find the levels very geographically memorable i can walk my way through like after I had played the first episode and was really kind of just, I was really caning that. Uh, and then was, uh, cause I had to buy, pay five bucks to get, you know, the other three on my thing. So before I did that, I like had played through the first one, two times through, and I was lying in bed trying to go to sleep. And I walked myself through yeah. most of that first episode. And I don't have, mm. again, not a great 3d visualization ability at all. And I, it is just the logic of the levels it was very easy for me to remember, oh, well, right, then you'd click this and that makes this thing happen and then you go over there and there's this clever yeah. little bit where you blah, blah, blah. And yeah, no, I think it, you know, the the verticality of it and the fact that for, I'm very interested, I wasn't able to find out any information of when they decided they weren't going to have an auto map like Doom because that is almost mm. the main difference to me almost between those two games in a weird way right yeah. is that these need to be smaller and i just find them really well paced like when they end i'm just like yep that like like a you know a super mario brothers level or whatever just like yeah that was you had this thing and then you had this twist and then you had to do this and then the the big thing and then i know bam. what you mean yeah, yeah. and 
Yeah, I, it's interesting that that doesn't seem like one of the necessary the strengths to everybody because that that really is I you know and they were they I enjoyed the first episode a lot but they did get very imaginative in like the number of new tricks they would throw at you or just very bespoke levels the secret level where the gravity is weird like there's just you know a lot uh of variety and it uh, does feel to me like that uh, I, I agree with you about the design and the pacing and all, and all that stuff but it does feel to me like they were designed with the knowledge that people would be playing this with quick save and quick load available. I'm wondering how does that work when you're playing in VR? Is it on a button? You can you can pause and you can quick save. I I mean maybe it's just easier for whatever reason. I mean there's definitely those moments where mm. you go to a new level and you get I mean you learn by death some but um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not very good at action video games, but I'm I'm able to play through those first two episodes without dying or maybe once yeah. or something like it, I don't, it, it. It isn't. But yeah, you can you can save. It's basically just the PC version, you know, being modded. So I think it's basically the same. Yeah. On the art, we have super user from the forum who says the art style says little about the game. It's incoherent and cannot land the horror vibe it's trying for. Quake is a mishmash of things that geeks found dark and edgy in the 90s. The reviewist says the game itself was uncanny looking. The 3D seemed unthinkably modern at the time, despite it being a kingdom of browns and murkiness. Still, compared to what came before, I really felt like I was seeing the future. And Ian, Ian, Ianson says the grime, the stone, the rusted metal, the toxic clouds of the shambling monsters sublime i had a pc given to me by my cousin which could barely run the game at 320 by 240 but it still felt so advanced yeah terminator future shock did mouse control first and duke 3d had more intricate levels but the 3dness of quake was a real step up the precision of movement the rock solid polygons the nine inch nails ripping through the enemies the pixel density of textures, where the screen space size of the pixels of the textures remains consistent across 3D models of varying size and density, helps even further, and for me is right up there with the original Metal Gear Solid in artistically doing so much with such limited tech. Let's talk about the audio. Big part of the game, big part of the experience. Steve Aaron from the forum says the game makes its mark with its immediately recognizable sound design. Nothing makes the same noise as those bouncing grenades, the gasping sighs of the scrags, the moaning zombies. These earworms stay long in the brain after the PC has been switched off. I can still hear them almost 30 years after I first played. Mm. This, this is where Quake for me kind of stands out as a as, a, as an important piece of gaming because like the sounds in this game ring in my head for as long as I can remember. Yeah, because I played like a Quake 2, which has some of the familiar sounds. Quake 3, even more so. But just Quake 1's, you know, just, just, just picking up the items, picking up, you know, jumping, getting hit, teleporting, the, the, the grenade launcher with the clanging of the metal grenades. Like, this is where Quake for me becomes something of a, of a standout moment, even like after the N64 loving that I had. It was just like, Wow, you can hear those noises in your head as I say them, and that's just mm. how how much love I guess has been poured into just making the game sound amazing. And I know the music is a different category altogether, but the music is so ambient and moody in the background if you can get it working. 
that it, it's, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like sound design. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like the levels are breathing. Yes. They sound like they're alive and they're wobbling and they're kind of they're they're there to attack you. And it really kind of the whole thing comes together as kind of a yeah. It, it makes the game. It makes you feel even more in the game than the, than the 3D is doing already. It, it's an incredible. Um, it's it's incredible. Like I think. You know, we t- we talk about generational leaps really freely um, these days with the way that it's very defined with consoles. It was a little bit muddier because we saw, you know, small evolutions, large evolutions, and revolutions um, at quite a quick rate. If you're thinking about from Doom in what '93 all the way through to like Half Life in '99, um, quite a lot happened in the PC space. And I think, mm. yes, in terms of the complexity of the level design, yes, in terms of you know the, the 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 density of pixel art that was in Quake, but where it really did show was that sound design. You know, Doom was quite atmospheric with some headphones on. You know, it it did have the ability to scare the pants off you. But with this, yeah, there just seemed to be so many more levels of sound, and it's probably because there was more levels of sound, right? I mean, that that that's kind of the nature of the way that things work. That you have all these things going on and. Sort of those first few levels, the the first time you hear those audio of of, of like the enemies, it's I mean the the sound effect that's always stuck with me um, in in Quake games is the bouncing grenade. Um, it's it's so memorable. Um, it, it it like it's it's one of those you know top shelf sound effects that you always funny we said that about remember. one in um, Duke Nukem 3D as well. So there's obviously something about that noise. It, it, must, be some, it must be yeah. something about grenades, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 I think yeah, it, it's just that, and and that's even outside of the soundtrack, right? Which is is just a whole other character to the game, um, in in its own right. You know, it's pretty good without the soundtrack. It's it's a, like a, a different experience with that soundtrack on top. So, I mean, the sound is it, it it's probably the 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 key element of the of the Quake experience. I guess it doesn't come with the soundtrack when you buy it on Steam or whatever. Is that no? No, that is no. this is part of the conversation that we need to have. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Reznor remarked himself according to wikipedia that the quake soundtrack is not music it's textures and ambiences and whirling machine noises and stuff we tried to make the most sinister depressive scary frightening kind of thing it's been fun which was uh, the industrial kind of rock that he was uh, known for fairly accessible but also you know, often quite angry and uh, and challenging lyrically and things like that uh, i wonder also if Reznor or Id or both were inspired by Aubrey Hodge's work on the console Doom because it's more it's more down that path of moody ambience than the original Doom soundtracks, which were kind of MIDI renditions of metal and sort of action movie kind of sounding stuff. So uh, that's interesting in itself. But yes, uh, there is a Steam community page which is dedicated to fixing your quake soundtrack because it it ain't there it's even not there on the bethesda version uh which as i say they gave away for free and you can download on their launcher but yes same issue no soundtrack so yeah it's one of one of many mods that's recommended but arguably yeah the first one you want to sort out the most essential one yeah no i noticed i mean one of the five things i knew about quake you know uh going into it was like oh right trent reznor did the music and i was actually expecting more like not more you know uh, yeah. rock songs or whatever mm-hmm. uh and 
Right, I was playing it and I liked it well enough to at least be like, oh, I thought this had, and I looked it up and I, you know, found those files in the, along with the retexturing stuff. And that is when I actually fell in love with the game, right? Like oh, it, okay. it, it was absolutely night and day as soon as I put the, the Resner tracks in there and I started playing E1M1, uh, I was just like, oh, this is, this is a delightful space to be in in some weird, brutalist 90s brown way. Uh, I just want to hang out here, which is, you know, normally I want to hang out in like, I don't know, Rayman world, uh, you know, something colorful, vacation simulator. But for whatever reason, yeah, it's just that, that absolutely completes it. And I, you know, agree with everything everyone said about the sound effects. They're fantastic in the grenade. It's very, and they're very useful, right? Because often you are yes. ducking around firing a grenade or a rocket and not actually seeing if it hit. And if you hear the like, Bleh! then, you know, you, you might just run past the corner. So, uh, yeah. and, and when people spawn behind you, that is your one shot to remember that you're about to Absolutely. Kill. Now, one of the things we've kind of, one of the secrets behind the curtain we've been letting on, on, in on games design in recent times is the fact that to make games less off-putting and seem fairer in games like Resident Evil, and I think probably, I think, I, I suspect the Japanese kind of started doing this first and then, Maybe Western teams kind of picked it up and ran with it. I'm not sure. Games like The Last of Us. Essentially, if someone in the game is behind you, they won't be as accurate or aggressive as they are if they're in front of you because that's unfair to the player, right? So although there will be audio cues, in a lot of modern games, you'll find that enemies who are in the game world behind you won't be as deadly as they are if they're in front of you. I suspect in Quake that absolutely isn't the case. <laughs> I suspect <laughs> that I could be wrong. Perhaps perhaps if you peel the code apart, it's in there. But I suspect that even if an enemy is behind you and you're facing a wall, it is going to do every bit as much damage as if you were facing it. Right. And it's accuracy. Well, yeah, like in Bioshock, uh, I think the first shot always misses. In Spec Ops, it starts at 0%. That's and, right. And quickly... Yeah, yeah and... And that's a, as a board game person, I kind of like the way Quake does it. Like mm -hmm. it is, and I really, and it ties into like how in easy, normal, and hard, they're they're never fiddling with the numbers, right? It's yeah. only changing. It's a more ludological, purist uh, gaming yeah. situation rather than a cinematic one. Right, and 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 you can kind of understand like, well, these things act in this very predictable way. You know, the hard one will have more monsters, but like, you're not going to have. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that there's a there's an element of very clean game design to Quake that that is part of the reason I really, really appreciate it. Sure. The reviewist from our forum says, Quake was a landmark game for me. Not only did it come out when I was at the impressionable age of 16, it was also the game that forced me to upgrade my PC that Christmas, having stared at the shareware release's depressing message about needing a floating point processor for months. I finally booted it up and played it around Hogmanay that year. But the real change that Quake meant for me was it was the game that taught me the benefits of mouse look. Being an old hand at FPS titles by that time, I got my head into Quake pretty fast, having already learned the half lessons of verticality by playing Heretic and Hexen. I still have fond memories of speedrunning episode one and having a prestidigitative control of the arrow and AZ keys that it took me years to replicate once I learned that Plus, M-Look was the way of the future. I have no idea what prestidigitative means. 
uh, like if you're if you're into prestidigitation, you are sleight of hand magic huh? or uh, yeah. trick user. So, but yeah, it's um, fast dexterity fingers. Of fast fingers. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I've learned something. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, let's talk about actually getting around and playing the games. We talked a little about level design, but uh, obviously you spend an enormous amount of time shooting enemies as well as pushing the odd button and avoiding the odd crushing wall or ceiling and falling down and getting hurt and things like that. Uh, Moby Games says the enemies conform to the mishmash of designs. There are human opponents armed with shotguns and energy weapons in the early levels, while the later levels include medieval knights, ghosts, zombies, ogres armed with grenade launchers and chainsaws, and some more unearthly beasts. The player's weapons, while relatively modern, all have a low-tech feel. Besides a blood-stained axe, there are shotguns, nail guns, rocket and grenade launchers, and the Thunderbolt, which discharges electrical energy. I'm going to open this conversation up by saying that the main thing I don't like about Doom, I played it through on normal difficulty and played it all through legit with the quick save, which is part of the game as far as I'm concerned, apart from the very last level, which I thought was a bit of a joke and God-moded my way up that final hill. Uh, I always found, and this was true on the Saturn version as well, bullet sponge, enemies. This is the thing I don't like about Quake. Every enemy, even the most... Even the most basic enemy feels like it doesn't really react in an interesting way to being shot until it falls down. And it's weird because I realise that actually, if I play Doom, a lot of the enemies in that maybe have similar kind of qualities. And obviously they're just 2D sprites and pixels kind of splash about as you hit them. The, game, the enemies in this are these kind of, uh, they've, they've, they're keyframe animated polygon built enemies that have sort of pseudo... I guess for the time in, and the resolution, semi almost photographic kind of looking skins, but they're very kind of murky and uh, indistinguishable unless you mod the game up. And on the Saturn, it was particularly bad for this. Just kind of visual reading of the enemies was was not. You could tell what types they were, but the individual details on, on the enemies were, were blurry. But my overriding feeling about playing Quake is bullet sponge enemies. Mm. Uh, is that is that just me? Well, is I, that fair? I've I remember recently playing Quake and thinking how the enemies are reacting to my bullets in in a way that was interesting for the time. Like the ogre will mm-hmm. fall on its bum if you hit him with the right weapon at the right time. Right, you can snag these guys, and mm-hmm. and I do believe ultimately they are just kind of you know they are just these vessels for you to absorb your bullets, and some of them do take a long time. I think the fiend is kind of a is a nightmare to mm. take down. They take off too much of your health, like thirty seven at a time. And yeah. they are hard to take down. Um, but I think, so, you know, like the enemy variety for me is not enough. But I do think that they more often than not react to your actions for that time. Like, you know, I, I do believe that the, the ogre does stumble and these creatures and things do kind of take a knock more than I was expecting. Because like, like you say, with Doom, they literally are just like cardboard cutouts. That, well, not literally. They, they feel like they're cardboard cutouts that are just taking your bullets and then they fall apart. But when I saw a few of the enemies in this game, you know, not not as good as GoldenEye, in my opinion. But again, that's my retrospective coming back. They don't clutch their leg no, and or, you know, stuff like that. You know, no, they don't get get their glutes and roll around and stuff. But, you know, I was, I was quite impressed by how they're not just kind of standees that are there to take your bullets. And um, right. I do believe that some of them, as I said, the Fiend and that, that, that horrible blue flowing whizzing thing. What on earth is that? That explodes on impact. That is awful. 
and the, some kind of grey lump of explosive clay is all I could work rubbish. out from the way it looks. And it takes in, too without many, mods. It takes too many bullets. And I know one grenade will pop it off, but like by that point, that's flying towards your face, and you're gonna get you're gonna get splash damage from your own grenade, and that's gonna explode as well. So you know, I feel like the enemies are a mixed bag, and even then, it's a very thin mixed bag because there's only like five or six, and by the end of it, you're just like. Oh, we've got the same weird floaty slug thing. <laughs> Can we not just have I reckon a... it's more than that. Uh, 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 maybe it feels like that, yeah. but I reckon there's probably you, more like 15 You can't count the fish thing. That's, that's not an <laughs> Okay, rock, rock fish doesn't count. No, Fair yeah, enough. There's on. about 10. Okay, it's 12 then. Yeah, there, there's 12 <laughs> and like there's two soldier you guys are basically kind of the same. Uh, True. But uh, yeah, I... The, the 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 that guy I think he's called the spawn. Yeah, the the blob should have lower health because it's it's so hard to hit and it's so fast that it <laughs> it should be at least a glass cannon. Um, and I do think yeah, there I'm kind of in the middle. There's a there is a bullet spongy quality to some of them, but I think a lot of that is about resource management, basically about yeah. saving the the nail gun for the demon. Uh, guy and then uh, he doesn't really react to it but he dies fast um, you know saving um, right the shambler really only the nail gun and the electricity uh, will take him down otherwise even the rocket he's like uh, takes half damage from so it's just a, a, a tedious slog um, and I do think the worst moments in the level design in this game the one real complaint I have and the one thing that would really like, if someone had tried to prank me into thinking this was just a really archly retro Devolver game that just came out in VR, like, yeah. you could do that mostly, but there are elements of encouraging turtling and encouraging just, like, just stand up here and hit the guy with the shotgun over and over and over, and that's, like, the, the you know by far so much safer than actually trying to engage with them. The solution. Yeah, right. right. And and I think those are really the weakest moments of the game is that, and, and I guess we'll get into this when we get into the action itself, but like for a game that is thematically so aggro, the weakest parts are where it encourages kind of a passivity, I think. And, you know, it's still funny the fact that they made it so that if you discharge your thunderbolt in water, you immediately die. <laughs> and yeah. give you one right on the last level. So if you forgot that, you'll remember. And I, I, I do wish like the weapon type was more varied as well. Because you've got two shotguns. Yeah, the first shotgun you get is kind of a in a pistol in disguise, I guess. And then the super shotgun is kind of, you know, awesome and, you know, does its damage. And then you get two kind of nail guns and you just think... Oh, can I not have something a bit different, like a staple gun? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Go around state. I don't know. <laughs> I just wanted a bit of difference uh, between my, my, you know, how many creosote cannon. <laughs> the <laughs> the two nail guns. The yeah, they they feel uh, uh, one problem with playing it in VR, or I guess on any console, is that you don't have number of keys, so you have to cycle through weapons. And so I definitely wish mm. I could have turned off the axe, and once I got the second nail gun, just turned off the first one. Um, but I will defend the single shotgun. It is actually way better at long range because it has less spread. And I found myself yeah. using it. Uh, I liked that. I would be like switching between the two of them, mm. you know, as I was closing in on a guy or something. I guess that's what I meant by it's a piston in disguise because you can, you know, frame. Yeah. It, it reminds me of Doom. As soon as I fire it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a Doom-like thing. But calling it a shotgun's a bit of a, <laughs> a, bit of a misdemeanor, I guess. But yeah, I, I just wanted something a little bit. I know the, the lightning bolt gun is kind of the, the wacky, but like, is there a BFG equivalent? I don't think there is. 
I think that's it, isn't it? Well, it's the closest. Yeah, but then, like, you know, the plasma gun is probably what I'm equating that to in terms of, you know, and I know yeah, it's, 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 like, it's not really the fairest thing to do to completely parallel, you know, Doom and Quake, you know, oh, they've got to be exactly the same. And I kind of appreciate that they didn't go one for one, mm. make it a Doom in, th- you know, proper three. You've got an axe instead of a pistol, come on. <laughs> I'd rather have the knuckle duster from Doom than that axe, I tell you. Because at least he can go berserk in um, in Doom and smash them into pieces. Like this axe for me is just like you can't even throw it. If you could throw it and wedge it's, it in someone's head, then I'd be up for it. It's but. no God of War, <laughs> and the melee is not quite as brutal and visceral as in say The Last of Us Part Two. Just, it's a bit yeah, yeah flimsy. I can't believe in 1996 they didn't make it so you could throw an axe into someone's head. Yeah, <laughs> I I do like. I wouldn't mind another interesting weapon or two, but I do like the structure of the weapons going through the episode of just like you know a game like this isn't it isn't really about powering up in a sense. It's on RPG, right? And that's mm. like you know you you get really good armor, but then you lose that really good armor and you try to get some again or whatever. Um, but there's always this arc, and I think it is slightly different. And you know, you don't get the electricity gun in, I guess, the first two episodes. Or, but you know that sometimes you get the double shotgun before the nail gun, sometimes after. Um, and it does give a nice feeling of progression. And and unlike Doom, where when you died, it would reset you in just a, like a naked state, essentially. Uh, yeah. And and you just, which meant you just had to save at the beginning of every level, of course. But I feel like muddled the level design there in terms of them knowing what you would have when. I do think there's a nice arc to this where you get things and then if you see that weapon again and they give it to you, it's really just giving you ammo, but also telling you, hey, you should probably use this weapon in the next room or whatever. Mm. Is there any suggestion that... Uh, is it is it, uh, the weapons and enemies simply numbers of damage that they do and hit points that they have? Or is there any element of some weapons are more effective against... Uh, not be, beyond the spread and the, the spray and whatever, and the, the enemy's movement, is there actually any... Some enemies are weaker to... At lightning or mm-hmm. nails, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like um, Jesse said earlier, the shambler doesn't take as much, you know, hundred percent damage with um, explosives. It's just like it doesn't really care about. Okay, it. that's probably where right. you found okay. some of the frustrations that you were rocketing a shambler to, you know, wasting all of your ammo, thinking, "What's yeah, going on here?" You're not wrong. Yeah. You're the key not wrong. Key was to use the axe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stand no, up next to a shambler and <laughs> use the axe. Yeah, no, I did get that sense. I got that feeling, but it felt. To me, and again, I, I'm probably just not very good at Quake is the thing, but uh, I felt like I never had the right kind of ammo for the enemies that it was giving me that I felt like, it, it, even if I didn't have the numbers in front of me, I felt like certain guns were taking down certain enemies faster than others and whatever. But it always, and it seemed like I ended up with the wrong kind of ammo for the for the wrong kind of enemy kind of thing. Or maybe situationally, sometimes it was about the fact that some weapons are just not very effective, yeah, over range or at close range or or stuff like that. So yeah, but there's a, that's good to know that I, I sort of I picked up on it, but not enough. And so there is that kind of rock paper scissors puzzle element to the combat. What I want to know is, is why the ogre's got a grenade launcher and a chainsaw. That's just cheating. Mm. That's just cheating. <laughs> it is like why can't I have a chainsaw? Get it from the doom man. Get it in my hands. 
I also think that's one of the crummiest looking enemies in any game ever. <laughs> Even at the time, I thought that it it's just like, like a... a it's just like a potato sack man. <laughs> yeah, like it, 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 the the Dark Souls, uh, the butcher in Dark Souls, right in the in the depths, basically. I love the ogre is delightful. I, uh, I they're hideous <laughs> and just. They're just the kind of enemy like you a one on one duel with an ogre in an empty room is still kind of interesting. It's kind mm -hmm. of multiplayer esque, isn't it? There's a dance to it. There's a kind of a yeah, like it, it like I end up like if I see one of them, I'm definitely strafing, hopping, making all the noises that you would do to have a battle. And then you get too close and he obviously rips you a new one with a chainsaw. I think they're a really interesting enemy to fight. They just look like a Roblox character. <laughs> <laughs> Belmont03 from the forum says, I really enjoy how the game tells you what has killed you, even if it's yourself in interesting ways in the top left hand corner of the screen. I should be learning the enemies' names from this, but for some reason they just don't seem inspired. Yeah, so you get a little quip, effectively, based on your demise, including things like, was it you, you, you tried to put the pin back in and uh, some something about trying to breathe underwater and yeah it's context uh context based quips based on yeah what's what's happened yeah i saw the the fiend the, the fiend you've been eviscerated by a fiend or something like that many many times yes mm. see the these are all floating above my, i can i know they're there but i can't see them because oh, like it doesn't yeah. it, it yeah. Well, some things, you know, in some games, like you look down and the UI stays in place and you can see it or whatever. Yeah. And I will say that, yeah, one of the small drawbacks of the VR is that it is a little difficult to, you, you can't in, instantly kind of see your health and ammo and all that while keeping focused on the screen. You do have mm, to do it. Interesting. Little, but, you know. Okay. Halo Fandango says, the weapons are awesome fun, with my tool of choice being the super nail gun. It never gets boring, filling enemies full of nails. The enemy designs were also grotesquely detailed and each enemy you encountered felt like a proper battle, whether it be between death knights, ogres or the fiendish shamblers. Yeah, one thing I did like that uh, John was saying on his Digital Foundry video was, although uh, although the, the Saturn version does have that what you would consider to be a shortcoming, especially given that the, the game was originally designed with PC saving options in mind, it does sort of make you play Quake much more like a, as well as leaning on those rpg elements and the kind of uh the almost per, not permadeath but you know permadeath for that life that level also the the survival horror elements are massively ramped up because you have to kind of creep about the place taking stock of every enemy that's that's in your way so it can i i suppose it's a bit like the conversation we often have about save scumming our way through old retro games and stuff like that in a way you you can rob yourself of the, the tension of the experience. And maybe there is an argument to play Quake, as it sounds a bit like you've been doing, Jesse, without abusing the the quick save and quick load, even if the game was kind of, I feel like, certain amount designed around people using it. I mean, I, I was doing it at first and I would keep doing it. Like I do that in Doom 64 uh, because there's like yeah. these uh, pillars that come down and crush you and I can never get the timing right. Or Like I, right. I do find that Quake's traps are very fair for the most part, just as kind of related, but a bit of a tangent of like, I didn't feel the need to save scum because there's this incredibly like this bit that like, well, 50% of the time I get it. And then sometimes I just die. Right. Mm -hmm. Even the part where you have to, 
jump on like these wooden stakes in order to get to the secret level, I think in the third episode, like they're very generous and like the stakes look very narrow, but I always would save scum before that and then not die and not need to use it. Uh, and I feel like there's not, uh, other than, you know, like you have to figure out the shamblers and that's, you know, but like, there's not huge difficulty spikes where I just felt like I need to do that. Like, like when we played Rayman, <laughs> Oh, or God. whatever right uh i did I, flashback and i found this and again i don't know if it's just different because you have it's easier in vr for whatever reason but like i found mm. this game challenging but always manageable uh mm. it just kind of hit the sweet spot of uh you know like not a not a pushover by any means but you know and i'd put it down sometimes so i never felt stuck or like i would really need to yeah um like basically saves come my way through a particular section i didn't actually look into what the difficulty choices affect whether it's mostly monster numbers and placement monster numbers some right. some of it's like yeah. oh there's only one health item here instead of two and stuff like mm. that but but no effect on like the number like hit points or numbers like that okay Steve Aaron, again from our forum, says Quake may well be the game that informed my wider cultural taste more than any other piece of interactive media. I played it when I was ridiculously young, probably seven or eight, and it immediately captured my imagination. I can remember drawing the characters in art books for pleasure, writing fan fiction about it for school English assignments. I even made a 12-page comic book of Quake Guy being chased by an unrelenting ogre, which I still have and surprises me in its quality, given it was made by an eight-year-old. So needless to say, I have fond memories. I think it was just a perfect storm of design that would imprint itself on a young gamer's mind. For a start, it was almost unimaginably violent, and so that made it almost forbidden or taboo. The very first level where you gun down vicious Rottweilers by shooting them in their blood-covered maw lets you know this is going to be a full-on experience. But then the setting changes when you're thrust into a dark fantasy world. It's almost as if you're playing through a dream where real world logic doesn't apply and the landscape itself, including the boiling sky, is out to kill you. And try to kill you, this world does. Not even Doom was as unrelenting in its aggressiveness. Quake was the first game to include monsters I ran away from, the Hell Knights, and was legitimately terrified of, the lightning-fast, blood-splattered fiends and those that were almost too overwhelming in their ferocity to handle, the Shambler. But it was almost also the first game where I would conquer my fear, learn the best tactics to take them on, and eventually know how to mow through them like a proper badass. In this sense, I can definitely follow the line of my preferences all the way to my present affinity for Dark Souls and its ilk, the nightmare worlds, the dream logic, the terrifying bad guys. In many ways, I think the relatively low polygon count of the enemies, along with the low resolution textures, really work in the game's favour when it comes to introducing, inducing horror in the player. Every detail of the monsters is obscured, suggested, marred beyond recognition due to the blood and gore caked over their flesh. Try to think of the features of the aforementioned fiend, and it's literally just a claret-smudged blur of claws. Nightmarish stuff. The legacy of Quake looms large in my life, and while I did enjoy its immediate sequel, the original fantasy setting will always be a firm favourite in my library. Yeah, that's quite an interesting, a great sort of example of 
um, how when a game means something to us and to do with the first time we experience it and stuff like that. So if you listen to this podcast and download Quake for a couple of quid on Steam and look at the enemies now, listener, if you've never played it before, you might go look at the state of that. That looks like a mid 90s early polygon monster that's kind of blurry and indistinct. But for our correspondent Steve here, that very blurriness and indistinctness is exactly what makes them so affecting and scary. I love that. The academic from the forum says Quake has that excellent id quality of having enemies with varied speeds and attack styles. This leads to incredible variety in encounters as managing the space around you becomes far more important than taking cover and aiming. You end up in a dance with enemies as you try to avoid damage while manoeuvring in close for a devastating punish with the super shotgun. The word dance there again. Mm. Yeah. Uh, every time it happens, I feel just a bit better yeah. about myself. Dance. <laughs> I said that earlier with the ogre, right? You oh. have like a little kind of a... Oh, right. You end up dancing. I thought you meant dancing. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, it does. Yeah, I, it does matter. Yeah. I think there is the... Someone compared it in one of those to Dark Souls, and which obligatory mention, of course, but there's... The combat, there's like a set of numbers you're playing with. In the same way in Dark Souls, the, the way stamina works, the way your normal attacks take stamina, your shield absorbs it, putting your shield down lets it go up. Like there's that dance element of kind of this moment-to-moment -moment resource management, right? Mm. And in, in Quake, yeah, the fact that the double shotgun is so devastating close up, but so weak far away, the fact that most of your best weapons do splash damage, like the only kind of absolute killer weapons are the nail gun and the electricity which you're always running out of right and i think the the yeah. medium turn in resource management is very much about you know the keeping your nails for the things where you need the nails essentially uh and definitely i found playing it on hard that what became harder in some way was less the sheer number of enemies in terms of being able to take them on at once but just the fact that i was running out of ammo in a way that on normal i didn't feel yeah, as yeah. much of a problem um but yeah i think there's it's a you know it's not a we were saying it's not a huge number of different weapons but they all do have a very specific kind of pro and con to them and how they interact with the different enemies or different combos of enemies it's just good stuff it is it has kept me in france for the last month i gotta say i think the the description of it being a dance is it's very accurate um i think if i had to describe it, it it's quite a rhythmic shooter in terms of you know you're playing in my case, mouse and keyboard, that's what I was playing it on. And the way that you start switching weapons and I started to bind like keys to do other stuff so that I could switch weapons more around me. Um, and with the pacing and the aggression that the game has, you know, you get into that pattern of what weapons to go to for what situation because you can switch between them. You've got that fire rate, right? You know, you start to get that beat of the thing. And, you know, it's obviously it's become a thing. We've had that what uh, beats that BPM first person game very recently. And the first thing I thought of when I saw it was Quake. And it's that that speed, that, that rhythm that you get into when fighting, funnily enough, is the reason that I wasn't so hot on Quake 2 as a sequel. But it's also the reason that I love Quake 3 as an arena-based shooter because that hacked back to that exact feeling that I got playing Quake in terms of when you're in those encounters and you're switching your weapons and you get into that, um, you know, the, that zen state almost of just auto-playing, switching weapons and firing, and playing off the not necessarily the visuals, but the timing of you pressing the keys and the sound 
reflectors of um, hits, like Jesse mentioned earlier. When you you know you hit an enemy, you don't necessarily need to look. It's all in the sound, and everything's that beat. So it's it's like the underlying um, beat that plays under the music, under the tempo, under the sound effects of the enemies is your fire rate and that constant movement um, and the tapping of your keys, and it's very addictive. It puts you into like that mental trance, and it's something that I absolutely love about Quake. Um, and you know, Doom did the, does the same thing, especially the modern Doom games. I should add, that's that's a thing that, that Doom twenty sixteen does incredibly well. It's something that Quake Three Arena did incredibly well, and it's what I absolutely adored about Quake. Once once I got to the level where that became natural to play it in such a way, mm. it, it it was like. You unlock a you you unlock a skill set. You're only a sort of intermediate until you get to like the next level, and that next level is when you reflect. You don't necessarily notice it actively, but passively, these are the things that are happening that have that impact on how you touch that game. On the subject of the level design, the academic says some levels are more puzzle-like, whereas others are straight-up run-and-gun labyrinths. I found the best way for me to enjoy it was as a series of independent levels and not worry about any consistent story or style. I feel like the level design gradually gets worse through the game and there is a noticeable drop in polish with the two expansion packs. I would say start from the beginning and stop when you get bored. It's not like there is some story that you are missing out on. So there are a couple of bosses in this game. The first one is a pretty much a puzzle, an action puzzle which I quite appreciated. It wasn't just some kind of ammo and hit points fest where you were attritionally hiding behind pillars and shooting. You effectively take the first boss out by activating a sequence of switches, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's really standing in exactly the wrong place. Uh, yeah, foolish. Yeah, probably. He's lost the will to live is, I think, the uh, yeah. the underlying story there. Uh, it's, it's a cute, I, I posted that video of here's the one thing where the textures did not load in on my game. So he's just a big, funny pink Kirby blob. Uh, and it seemed fine. Like I liked it that way where I, I'm glad they did not try to make big bosses for the other levels. Uh, mm, and, yes. and that it was just like a particularly kind of convoluted and epic final, you know, level. With a couple of shamblers normally right. or something like that. But the final the final boss yeah. is a peculiar thing. So this last level is effectively you're working your way up around the outside of this area and you don't really know why. So they've named the final boss uh, Shub Nigarath after the Lovecraft. Is it, it's, it's one of Cthulhu's minions. Yeah, I, I think it's the one with the thousand eyes or the black mm. go to the forest or I might just be making that up. It's just a big lump uh, in this game, in the middle of the level. It doesn't actually actively hurt you. It just spawns loads of enemies up the side. Too many enemies, I would say, from my uh, from Way my, from my patience. It's more like the the actual ones that it decides to spawn. It's the kind of the weird mm. witchy spider ladies that fire these little orbs at you, and the and the shamblers. It's oh, just yeah. relentless. They're yeah. just relentlessly coming mm. towards you, and it's just it's too much. And then. I had to look up the solution because it's yeah. completely unlike anything else in the game and doesn't really make any sense. No, the spike sphere doesn't seem like it's your friend. No, right. So there's a there's a there's a there's a yeah, a, a glowy kind of thing swimming around the arena seemingly randomly. At first I thought you had to shoot it, and then I thought I don't know. 
but I just, you know, carried on, got distracted by the ridiculous onslaught up the up the slope to the side. Turns out it drifts around the arena. When you get to the top of the evil staircase, there's a teleport. If you just teleport through it at the wrong time, you just land in the lava, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, and you can hop back out if you if you're not dead and reascend the staircase. Turns out what you have to do is wait until the weird glowy thing that's floating around is inside Shubnigarath's body. And then you teleport at that point because apparently it's a, it's a, it's the, it's the teleport out Yeah, it's, it's a telefrag, isn't it? You, you, you telefrag the yeah. final boss, which is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'd heard of that phrase, but I didn't know what it meant. You well, know, and even so... at this point of Quake coming out, like telefragging, unless you played a lot of multiplayer before you got to this boss, I don't think you would have ever yeah. even have come across it, right? Right. Unless it happened in Duke Nukem, I'm not too sure. Which I'm, I'm, maybe it did, mm. but I think Quake popularised the, the phrase to, to telefrag. So yeah, to kind of actually yeah. just kind of, you know, teleport inside the boss and essentially rip and tear your way out of it. It's a very id software thing to do. It's just not very well telegraphed, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and there's no visual drama ultimately when you do it. It just goes to a just yeah. It's uh, it's all pretty. They could have just done with a puzzle that needed you to solve it with that mechanic, and then you'd have gone, ah, oh, right. So when I come out, I land. They're just a simple kind of yeah like, yeah. A to, no training, a to B right. kind of, you need to get over there. Mm. The gap's too big for you to jump. If you teleport using this weird spiky ball thing, then that's how you do it. And then you should twig. But yeah, it's just a, a brand new mechanic at the end of the game. Why not? <laughs> full, Why not? full of 90s gaming obscurity. <laughs> yeah, all very odd. But uh, yes, I, well, yeah. If it wasn't for God mode, I, I might never have done it myself because uh, that last climb really is quite something. Probably easier on easy. One thing I wanted to ask you before we talk a bit more about the multiplayer, which I suspect most of us haven't got a lot of experience with, if any. Not. No, uh, obviously it was a big deal, as in, as I say, there were Doom multiplayer was obviously a, a big thing. Deathmatch is kind of becoming part of the lexicon. And so its next game would, of course, want to expand on that and get everyone playing online where they could or LAN or both. But I wanted to ask Jesse, the the single player in this is not necessarily only single player. You can play it co-op. Yeah. In theory. Does that does that apply to the VR? I Do you know, you know I, I got my friend who played Quake back in the day who also plays, you know, games with me on the quest to install this and we went and I was like, oh, you know, I saw that it said multiplayer uh, cooperative. Uh, and then we went into it and, and it was just like TCP IP port entered the note. And I was just like, I have no idea what, what is going on now. Yeah. So right. it might be doable, but we would we would have to. I mean, I think just like it, it's probably doable yeah. on Steam today, presumably. I'd like to. It seems fun. Yeah. Did anyone get to play this co-op at the time? Carl, maybe? No, I never actually. Um, well. Maybe I did because I do remember messing around with TCP/IP, but I couldn't. I couldn't tell you if it was specifically Quake that I did it on. I did try multiplayer some years after the fact. Um, it was, you know, I, I, my very first multiplayer game, for example, was Aliens vs Predator. But you know, we're looking probably around ninety-eight that I would have played it in multiplayer, um, and only then very right. briefly. 
So, yeah, yeah very limited things, experience. Things moved on very fast, didn't they? They did, yeah, very. Just, is part just of hearing it. the phrase TCP IP just brings back massive Half-Life, <laughs> early Half-Life. What's the server yeah. number? Right, it's this, and you're like, colon, this, and dot that. Oh, my, what are we doing? Oh, crazy times. So, yes, unfortunately, we don't really have the experience of the time between us to talk of those hallowed multiplayer days, the early times of Rocket Jump and all that kind of thing. Obviously, we've all played a bunch of multiplayer first-person shooters online since, of varying flavours. But uh, the original Quake one, well, I guess we just have to say we appreciate what it did to move that kind of scene forward. I think it only had six maps originally, or the, the uh, six official maps, so... Not um, not a massive suite by modern standards. You'd imagine those fan-made ones pretty much straight away, right? Because I remember like... Once the source code mm, came out where, in when, whenever that was. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's probably lost the time now. But I remember, again, like I'm only saying Half-Life because it uses the same structure and engine. It's just like the amount of times you double-click mm. on a server list and go, oh, you need this map, or you type in the TCP IP and it'd be like, oh, you downloaded the map in the console and you see it all load up and stuff. I imagine that there was a lot of like user made stuff for Quake and I imagine that's kind of why where its legs were. Mm. Mm. This is a cool uh, bit of interaction from Super User from our forum who says I first played Quake around 2015. It wasn't a totally fresh experience. I'm a long-time member of the open source community which has taken the source code releases of its engines and made new games out of them. If you're a current or former Linux user, you've probably had a go on many games from the Q3 engine. However, these were multiplayer focused. I played the game mostly in multiplayer co-op with three friends who were all familiar with the game. There's no real story to speak of apart from a boss fight at the end. Your buddies will probably spoil for you. Firefights were enjoyable but spaced far apart. Some were very good. I remember one on a bridge in particular, which was hard but fair even with three players. Quake is good at never feeling too cramped. The enemies are very bullet spongy by today's standards, but they worked for the game. I liked Quake, but I also took little away from it. I believe it is a game that wowed with its fully 3D look and general level of polish, but there's not much more to say. It's only with a historian's perspective that I can recognise its brilliance. Without that context, it was a decent but forgettable experience. Yeah, the thing he says he or she says about the levels being the right size for multiplayer co-op is interesting thinking about how i know some people said that when they played super mario 3d world as single player they were very conscious that the levels were big and wide to to allow for the four player mode whereas i don't know Quake, to me, as a single-player game, although the environments felt kind of big and imposing, it didn't feel like it was a game that was fully designed with two, three, four people in mind. But it sounds like it works. Yeah, no, the the the, the hallways and all of that certainly don't feel empty. Uh, it never occurred to me that like this would uh, need filling out. And four players seems like it would add, like I guess you can turn off friendly fire, right? You must be able to because you would just so. instantly it would just turn into um, 
God, what's yeah. that game I'm thinking of? But yeah, you just grenade all everyone. Final fight? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, a top-down co-op. Never mind. Uh, if I think of it, I'll say it later. But but no. right, you'll just instantly all kill each other, uh, given yes. the way the weapons work. But yes. assumably, uh, that can be turned off. Maybe it's in the console uh, options. I don't yeah, it know. depends in the console. Or off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God Mode 1. Quake Match. I don't know if it was ever called that, but I feel like it ought to have been. I rem- I'm sure I remember people referring to yeah. it as that before the game came out. Quake was, according to Moby Games, one of the first games playable natively over the internet in addition to LANs. The single-player levels can be played cooperatively, but the game is most famous for its deathmatch mode. One-on-one duels, team play, and free-for-all competition are possible. The emphasis is on fast reaction and skillful manoeuvring through the levels. All of the single-player maps can be used as arenas. But the game also comes with six maps especially designed for deathmatch. So, right, there are actually 38 maps if you include all the single-player maps, but you would think a lot of them wouldn't really work for multiplayer. But, according to the IMDB, it could support up to 32 players in multiplayer mode, which was a record at the time. Actually, 32 players on one of those single-player maps does sound kind of fun. In VR, I would. If, if other people listening to this, you can you can contact me and and we'll we'll get it together. We'll do a big VR death match in Costophobopolis. That's one of them. Got the page open. Nice. The bad place. That sounds good. So uh, there were two sort of uh, rival. Is that a word? <clears throat> uh, kind of infrastructures for people to play online. There was Netquake and there was Quake World. Where in the world? Quake World. <laughs> I've, I've heard of Quake World. I've never heard of Netquake, I don't think. Ah, I remember Netquake. Uh, yeah, I mean, Quake World, I think, was official. Maybe Netquake was unofficial. I'm not sure. <clears throat> Apologies. Again, sadly, we haven't heard from uh, too many people who were there in the day on the scene but uh it sounds like yes you were a either a netquake person or a quake world person or maybe you flitted between the two like some kind of deviant flitting thing so yeah the console uh, this was a new innovation as well that quickly became standard in pc not only shooters but games in general you press the tilde key and up comes effectively a kind of backdoor to the developers tools right but instead of being able to you know click boxes and toggle things in the way that you might expect you actually had to know a very basic quite simple series of almost programming commands to turn things on and off in the game yeah yeah i've spent many a time in um in a, in a console yeah again half-life but the, the similarities are pretty much one for one in this case and uh yeah the, the amount of stuff you can do in a console is, is ridiculous if you know if mm. you know what to do and even if you don't you can kind of wing it by just kind of seeing the patterns of how the how it's worded you can just go oh, well load this map and uh, you can you know you can just kind of sometimes fluke it and, and get around certain bits and bobs that you're uh, struggling with um but yeah man like the console command it's just great i mean I, I, it's great in its functionality. I do miss cheat codes, you know, 
IWDQD and IDKFA and that, like just typing them into your keyboard and seeing the fun happen was is a different kind of magic. But um, no, yeah, I I respect the console commands because it just allows this kind of massive amounts of freedom. You can fly about, go through walls. What else can you do that's fun? God mod. <laughs> Stop saying you God can mode. Look around with your mouse <laughs> and put a crosser on the screen. You can rob yourself of all challenge, as I did. Yes, mouse look, true. You can muck around with the resolution, the screen size, color depth, uh, all kinds of weird random bits and bobs as well, just various effects and stuff like that. Yeah, scaling of items. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole uh, wiki... Quake fandom wiki page dedicated to console commands. And if you were hosting a multiplayer game, you would be in control of the server via the console, right? You'd be able to do uh, all this. Kind yeah, of exactly. Cheat. Well, you can right. just like you know map Change this, map that, you know score this. You could, mm. you, you would just like this kind of referee of sorts. Um, in probably spectator mode, if they had spectator mode on Quake, I'm not too sure, but yeah, you could do a lot. Ooh. Hmm. Mm. Quake is another of id Software's games that contains the infamous dope fish which you can still find in games like uh, Doom Eternal to this day. The level you can find the dope fish on is E2M3, the Well of Wishes, in a secret location that you'd probably need a walkthrough to get to. Incidentally, the Well of Wishes is the same title as Commander Keen 4, Secret of the Oracle, uh, a level where the dope fish first appears. Mm -hmm. Another thing that Quake is responsible for is machinima, kinda. Uh, an animated film using the 3D environment of the game started with the Quake engine. Doom already had a recording feature, but it wasn't until Quake when people added narrative and called it movies that the machinima genre was first born. The first known machinima is Diary of a Camper by a group of players called The Rangers, released on October the 26th, 1996. So machinima is almost 25 years old as well. My God, I remember that. Diary of a Camper as well. I guess it's still on YouTube. I don't know. Probably. Quake was the game primarily responsible for the emergence of the machinima art form of films made in game engines. Thanks to edited Quake demos such as Ranger Gone Bad and Blabalicious, the in-game film The Devil's Covenant and the in-game rendered four-hour epic The Seal of Nehara. Probably worth seeking out. <laughs> For the release of the movie Anaconda, Sony Pictures released through their website an add-on level for Quake Ooh. titled Temple of the Mist, where you made your way through an ancient temple searching for the altar that holds the key to escape. Obviously, before escaping, you have to go mano a mano with the Anaconda itself. It's a daft movie. I wonder if... I wonder if the, the the CG in Anaconda has dated better or worse than Quake. One of the songs on Carl Sanders' album, Saurian Meditation, Elder God Shrine, was named after the Quake level E4M3, which has the same name. Don't know if, it's on, don't know if that's on Spotify. So yeah, there are two official expansion packs. I haven't played either of these. They come if I think if you buy Quake on Steam, they're either there or, or you can add them on for a few pence. Mission pack one, Scourge of Armagon, and two was Dissolution of Eternity. The, the expansion packs pick up where the first game left off 
include all of the same weapons, power-ups, monsters, and gothic atmosphere architecture, and continue finish the story of the first game and its protagonist, whoever that is. An unofficial third expansion pack, Abyss of Pandemonium, was developed by the Impel development team, published by Perfect Publishing, and released on April 14th, 98. An updated version, version 2.0, The Abyss of Pandemonium, The Final Mission, was released as freeware for you Quake completists. An authorised expansion pack, Q-Zone, was developed and published by Wizardworks and released in 1996. And an authorised level editor, Deathmatch Maker, was developed by Virtus Corp and published by Macmillan in 97, which contained an exclusive Virtus episode. So much Quake for you to seek out. And finally, Dimension of the Past. To celebrate Quake's 20th anniversary, a mission pack was developed by Machine Games and released June 24, 2016, featuring 10 new single-player levels and a new multiplayer level. It doesn't use the gameplay additions, whatever they were, from Scourge of Armagon and Dissolution of Eternity, and chronologically it's set between the main game and the expansions. It's a lot of levels. If you're going to play Quake today, though, you may want to, apart from working out how to get the soundtrack to play, you may want to mod it. This all started really in 1999 when id made the complete source code for Quake freely available to the public. The first major mod for Quake was Team Fortress, which became a thing. There's a lot of mods about that are extremely popular and make the game look almost like it's a completely different game in some cases. Very new, shiny, high res, lighting, you name it, modern features. Don't know about ray tracing. I know Quake 2, there's a there's an RTX version of Quake 2. Not sure about Quake 1 as yet. But there are mods that are worth checking out. I've heard of the following. Alkaline, Dark Places, Mark 5, Quake Spasm, and Quake Quest. Is this the one you've been playing, Jesse? That is. That is. The actual... Quake Quest right. with a... There's some retexturing project. Uh, that makes it yeah look look more ps2y i would say but still okay uh yeah. maintains the you know the the quake mm. nature it's not uh all shiny and high res by any means yeah that that makes sense because uh as a way to play it as well uh because it does look like some of these mods very much kind of transform the game as you'd expect for a 25 year old game and it may be that in some cases that isn't to the tastes of the person playing it but i'm always i'm always just you know amazed and impressed by people who continue to take on these these also, projects the demand on your pc is is quite extreme to make it look is it? as it does yeah i remember i tried i don't know if it was dark places rings a bell but i i'm not sure mm. if it was that i i i kind of long since had this pc which was pretty i mean this is a 2014 2013 pc mm. with like a 780 gtx ti um mm. graphics card and i played a quick mod then because i'd seen a screenshot of it and i chased it all down and i thought i'll try it and i set it all up and it brought it to a crawl at times okay and it had like real-time lighting and stuff but it, i mean it looked phenomenal but it's it's right. weird because the I, I played a mod in nineteen ninety nine, an actual James Bond based Quake mod in ninety nine oh. when they released it. And it was daft and I think it might have been the first mod that I'd played prior to getting really stuck into Half Life. Mm. And um yeah, to think I've gone from that 
to what I was actually looking at with these incredible-looking graphics. And I mean, genuinely incredible for a game that's as old as it is now. Sure. Um, is is mind-boggling. Super user, though, says, uh, A word of warning to everyone playing on a modern engine. Adding in real lighting can make some areas impossible to see. <laughs> there was one level we ran around in a, for about 30 minutes until we found we had to go through something that looked like blackness. <laughs> they might at least need to adjust your gamma levels. There are also some very highly regarded and recommended user maps. Or I don't know if these are sets of levels or just big levels. Things like Beyond Belief and Arcane Dimensions, which have been user created and honed and um, whatever Arcane else. Dimensions is a new set of levels, but does add, I think it has like breakable environment stuff and... Uh, and more right. high-res textures. I, I actually did try it. I loaded it onto my Quest, and it ran, but it ran at like 20 frames per second. And in mm. VR, that, okay. I, as I said, I'm pretty immune to motion sickness. That that got me pretty fast. Okay, right. So, yeah, uh, if you've managed to get hold of one of the uh, the recently released graphics cards and you have a decent PC, you might be able to explore and run some of these things, which is, I guess, what I, I like about it is the idea that you buy a game on steam or wherever for a dollar 50 and then with user created content you turn it into a kind of contemporary sort of high level kind of you know beautiful looking modern game at no extra cost to yourself i guess some of the creators have maybe have uh, crowdfunding and patreons and stuff like that but most of this content's usually just free to download and add on isn't it our final piece of long form correspondence for this podcast is from t-bird from the forum who says it was fall of 1996 and i just started college with my first computer since the commodore 64 and off the shelf pentium 166 for schoolwork obviously <laughs> one of the first people i'd gotten to know on campus introduced me to this game called quake he suggested we play online i wasn't unfamiliar with first person shooters doom and doom 2 had got gotten a fair bit of play by me, but with the exception of a single direct dial session as strictly single player experiences. Quake, a technical marvel at the time with a great soundtrack, was fun and interesting in single player, but once I discovered that I could easily connect to servers around the entire planet, everything changed. After initial weeks in deathmatch games with various minor mods, I discovered Capture the Flag and finally Three Wave Capture the Flag, and my fate for the next several years was sealed. Nothing compared to the high-speed action, teamwork and excitement in these matches. While we weren't actively shooting at each other, we hung out before and after rounds, messing about and chatting. I made many friends in Quake, some of whom I met in real life, and several I still have contact with today. I got involved with a long-lived clan, even taking over the leadership of one by mid-1997, and we remained active until mid-2000. By then I had been the lead organiser of two successful online tournaments, I learned to code HTML for the clan site, learned to upgrade, repair and build PCs because of Quake, and even tried my hand at map making with the Worldcraft editor. All of these skills have been useful to various degrees throughout my life since, even if the maps are best forgotten. I had lived a sheltered life until college. Quake allowed me to blossom in ways I hadn't expected. No online FPS before or since has compared to Quake, my Quake experience. None has felt so cracking good as Netquake, not Quakeworld, did. Even today, it's the source of a large percentage of my favourite gaming memories. 
I don't understand Netquake and Quake World for a, there to be a rivalry, but I like the fact <laughs> that he put that in brackets just to have a little dig. Not Quake World. Yeah, don't go there. Not. Don't go there. Yeah, I'm glad we uh, we had that one bit of correspondence from someone who was uh, who was around at the time and and did the thing. Thank you, T Bird. That was brilliant. We've also got a few nippy little three word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kana Rinse. Hmm. The aforementioned super user said, had its day. Liam Evans Keen says, Lovecraft meets Doom. Butcham J. Shareware was awesome. Jonas Arganyarath says, Brown Oxide Shooter. Sean R said, Nine Inch Nail Gun. Mike Bamford says, Lightning Gun Fun. Pixel Hunted, Rocket Jump Pioneer. Steve Margetson says, Parents Land Parties. Ben Blaster says DM3. Gadget 8-Bit says CarMax Genius Unleashed. And a lovely one to finish on. T-Bird changed my life. Thank you, one and all. So in summary, well, would we recommend Quake? I think I'll go first as I, I feel like I had the least good time playing it, but that's probably partly my fault because I did elect to play it kind of au naturel i played it pretty much unmodded and i did use the quick save quite a bit although as i say i didn't cheat until the very 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 last knockings uh actually playing quake as a first person shooter in 2021 i wouldn't strongly recommend it although i've been slightly turned around on that by listening to our correspondence and the rest of the panel here, just in terms of maybe there are some things about it that I should have appreciated more at the time that I didn't. One of the reasons we always talk about context and, and so on so much in Cane and Rinse is because what you're playing at the time or what you're in the mood for at the time can obviously always affect your excitement for something and your enjoyment of something. And I feel like maybe in the right mood and, and mindset and time I would it would have enjoyed Quake a bit more as it was I found it a bit frustrating a bit brown a bit bullet spongy and a bit Rick Dangerous in, in terms of killing me at the first opportunity without giving me too much warning but uh, maybe I just didn't have the the right head on for it obviously it goes without saying and I hope it comes across in in the way that we put these shows together that I completely respect and appreciate Quake's legacy and how important it was, what an amazing piece of coding it was, the fact that it's 25 years old needed to be marked by a, a Kane and Rince podcast as far as I'm concerned. And so that's all absolutely locked in place. But yeah, um, I think there are probably a lot of other first person shooters I would personally go to first. But as I say, that may be partly because maybe I've slightly misunderstood what Quake was going for. Hmm. Uh, next we'll have Darren yeah yeah. I I quite like Quake as a kind of a look back as to how important it was to the FPS genre and online gaming um, but unfortunately I do feel like uh, it's, you know the, the games I played kind of felt better in my opinion and yeah you know it's a, it's a weird one to play a game kind of back to front and go, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, this did that better and that did that better. But obviously Quake was there first. And if you had the PC and the money and the, uh, you know, the right place, right time kind of way of life, then I can absolutely see why Quake rocked your world. 
I don't understand why it's called Quake, but then I guess I don't understand why Doom's called Doom. But the, the name Quake, as iconic as the logo and the name is, it always kind of stood out to me. It's like, why is it called Quake? Because I don't ever remember there being like any kind of Quake in, in the game. But uh, Well, hmm. we did explain this at the start of the show, but maybe you were tending to your small one. Ah, possibly. <laughs> possibly, yes. I, 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 I... It, was, it was a particular weapon uh, that was going to quake the level. Ah, right, yes. You're going to... Yeah. You're going to slam down the big hammer and it was going to send shock quakes ah. across the entire oh, stage. Yeah. But then it didn't end up in the game. So <laughs> <laughs> strange business. But, you know, overall, um, I think it's a, it's an enjoyable time. I do feel like games that are, there's a there's a big wave of modern throwback FPS games that are, are coming mm. out and have, have been out and are still coming out. And there's one called Dusk that kind of goes for a quake vibe. And I think in terms of actual level design, Dusk absolutely kind of takes what Quake did and yeah, just runs with it absolutely 1,000 miles per hour. Uh, per hour. So if, if you like Quake and you want some more, I ch- check out Dusk because I do believe if I hadn't have played Dusk before my second playthrough, maybe I'd have gone, oh, yeah, I really like Quake. But I played Dusk and went, oh, that's what Quake was to people back in the day. Like, you can kind right. of get the essence of what Quake did to people by playing Dusk nowadays. And uh, yeah, so I, I recommend Quake. Um, just probably not as highly as I hoped because I I do like the other games in the series. And actually, you've reminded me before we go on. One thing I did want to say in my summary was I think it would be absolutely fantastic if Bethesda, Id, and maybe in conjunction with one of the studios mm. who they've worked with to get like Doom 3 and Doom 64 and other things like that onto the modern systems if they released a quake compilation for current gen systems and and even pcs but with everything kind of built in so none of the kind of clunkiness of the old version that's still available bring it up to date super up add remaster it basically put the soundtrack back in all that make it make it available yeah on on current gen or last gen 2 and and pcs and and so we can just easily pick it up and play it with with all mod cons i think that would be a fantastic release i would be there absolutely day one for that with um i think quake 3 might be the sticking point because it probably wouldn't get the the numbers on online that they'd want it to but obviously you couldn't really leave it out and just have quakes one two and four so i'm not sure what they what they need to do but sort it out (laughs) i say bethesda and i'll buy it there we go uh, Carl? Yeah, I mean, as Darren said, I think a large part of it has been in the right place at the right time, and I was fortunate enough to be able to experience it in its relative infancy, um, which seems a strange thing to say to a game that was hyped up um, as much as pretty much any other game that I can remember. And, you know, Quake is comfortably among, uh, among the echelon of games that define the genre. You know, there there's quite a clear timeline that starts with Doom, and Quake is the next one. Um, you know, and you can follow that all the way down the line, and there's little doubt that that Quake has its place in history, well deserved for the influence that it's had on games. And even going back now, yes, you might not appreciate it for the game that it is. There are things that have come on quite considerably in 25 years. You know, who who'd have thought it? But certainly, when you look back at the things that it did first and the influences that it had afterwards. Quake is incredibly important for everything that we've had afterwards and you know the 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 tone, the atmosphere, the soundtrack, the the, the sound effects, 
um it it's it genuinely staggers me that quake as a franchise seems to have halted for so long you know it, mm. it's obviously quake champions was actually very good but it was multiplayer only we had um you know enemy territory before that it, it's kind of just really disappeared um out of the public eye and you know you see the success of something like wolfenstein that's come back you see the success of doom mm. that's come back and you know, you can't help but think that the market is now crying for a Quake because if they can do with Quake what they've done with the other two um, legacy franchises, then, you know, my goodness, sign me up. Um, there are rumblings, aren't there, that an announcement that, may be forthcoming? Yeah, you know, you see these trademarks getting refreshed for things all the time and, you know, 25 years and you you hope that this is the one. You know, I'd, I'd take what even you recommended you know, Leon, it was give, give me a classic collection that I could play. You know, you could have Quake 3 tie into the Quake Live servers, which is free to play through your web browser. You yeah, know? sure. There's, um, you know, the, the, there's, there's always options there, but, you know, either Quake 5, because, you know, I've quite enjoyed the odd-numbered Quake games, or, you know, a full remaster of Quake 1 with an actual story implementation um, or a reimagining of Quake from the start. Um, you know, like, we again, we had with Doom. Um yeah, I, I'm all for that. You know, my excitement for Quake has never diminished. It's always been a franchise that, you know, you're hopeful for. Um, and, you know, 25 years on or, you know, over a decade after the last, well, two decades since the last great Quake for me. Um, yeah, get me another one and get me it quick because uh, as, as Reggie once said, my body is ready. Even though it's a recent thing and even though he's played it in an unofficial manner. Uh, I think we, we should conclude with the, the enthusiasm <laughs> of our Jesse come lately. It, it is a funny thing that by sheer coincidence, like this has caught me at exactly the right moment. Cause, cause I can feel that I'm, I'm cooling a little bit. Like I'm, I'm ready to move on uh, to try and mm-hmm. quake to, or, or going back to half-life or whatever. Um, but it is, I was trying to, you know, I, I installed, Good old Dr. Beef, as I said, all, you know, Half-Life, Doom, Quake, Quake 2, Return to Capital Wolfenstein. I've installed them all. I've played at least, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of each one, played a couple hours of Half-Life, uh, and I've enjoyed them all. But for some reason, uh, Quake is the one that before I even realized we were doing this podcast, I just dove into. Um, and I think it is, it's a combination of the the Nine Inch Nails soundtrack you know, then the the weird, uh, gloomy ambiance and the like, those total brutalism and no attention. You know, Quake Two, like I don't know. There's people talking and there's some sort of story or something. And uh, and here it is, just this pure, um, yeah, brutal action game that I feel like the 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 '90s graphics and the brownness and all of that is actually uh, I'm at just the right point to appreciate it sort of from a distance, right? And and again, it's very easy for me to do the thought experiment of just imagining this is some weird indie game uh, that came out this year uh, as a mm. VR FPS game. And, it, you know, it is pushing, I don't know, like the quest does chug occasionally. Um, and, and looking at it from that standpoint, it would be one of my favorite games of the year, despite the fact that I have, you know, um, I do think it is weird, like, Modern game design would make it more consistently aggressive, 
right? That there's no f- mm. nothing like Doom 2016 has the glory kills or you know Bloodborne regain kind of mechanic or anything that really uh, incentivizes you to be kind of as aggressive as the game kind of seems to want you to be. But that does make the moments when you get a timed power up, like the the quake, the quad damage, or the invulnerability thing, that much more aggro. Right. And so in terms of kind mm. of the pacing of the game, um, I think it actually does. I really enjoy yeah, the level design, the enemy design and the conversation I'm having with the level designers. Um, and, and I do feel like the four different episodes, you can tell they're made by four different people. And even though they're total mishmashes, that there's a consistent design aesthetic. You know, and I like like Sandy Peterson, who's this weird. He's a Mormon guy who's done more Cthulhu stuff than anyone on Earth, uh, which mm. I find fascinating. And he designed all of the the last set of levels. And I was kind of looking. For, I saved them for last. I was like, these are going to be the really strange ones. And I was I was not disappointed. Um, yeah, right. And yeah, I think if you I then went and I played it on my computer, I played through the first few levels and like it was fine. Like, it was nice to be able to go, like, I was now able to go through the thing, but it it really did not work for me. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, it is a funny thing that I think if if you have my neurological makeup, and if you're listening to this, you know <laughs> if that's true or not by now, I assume, uh, you know, download that. Uh, the first episode is on there for free. Make sure to get the music and the retexturing on there and, you know, give it a shot and maybe you'll you'll fall in love with it like I did. Beautifully put. I'm just wondering what, how we can fully establish whether each of our listener has the same neurological makeup as Jesse. There's but, a series um, of life-threatening tests. Good. <laughs> All right. So it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Jesse, Carl, Editor Jay, as well as all of our correspondents and to you for listening. Next time in issue 476, we try our hardest to find something to say about The Last of Us Part 2 that hasn't already been said.